Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm in the beautiful Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer yet That's again. Right. How you doing? We're doing good. We're doing good. We are doing good. Praise doing good. praise God we're doing. It's the summer months. It is now officially summertime. We have That's crossed right. over the summer equinox. equinox yeah. Yep, we crossed over. Into the summer June months. June 20th, Sunday, Father's Day slash beginning of summer. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Day three of summer. And uh, we're post-Shavuot. We're, we're leaving Shavuot, and yeah. we're headed towards the Golden Calf. Yeah, we are. So, and, right. and then today's Torah portion ain't so hot either. No. Well, at least it doesn't end. It's going to be hot for some leaders. <laughs> when their faces are turned towards the sun. Yeah. Yeah. Not good, not good, not good at all. So, um. If you guys are watching this, that means that you found us on some social media platform, uh, whether it be through a podcast app, right, on Apple or on uh, SoundCloud or, or I don't know, there's all kinds of podcast stuff out there. But whatever platform you're on, make sure you please like it, subscribe to it. If you could also do me the favor of sharing it on whatever social media platform you particularly like. I don't know if that's... That's right. That's good. Instagram or Facebook or whatever. You can also find us on YouTube and you could subscribe and hit the bell. That way you get a notification whenever we put a new video out. And you can also find us on Facebook and the same deal there. Um, if you'll like it, share it, do all of that good stuff. It really helps us out. Um, you know, we've had more views than like ever before. And I just really feel like that Christians are getting their Hebrew roots. But if you're into Hebrew roots, and you know there's all kinds of stuff out there that's just wackadoo, right? And so we're trying to show people that there is a, a good, valid way to take the Bible right. and apply it to your life. Period. Right. End of story. The Torah. Absolutely. Amen. So uh, as, uh, as I was saying, the Torah, we're now studying the Torah portion, Balak, which means uh, Balak. <laughs> Balak. He's a guy. He means destroyer his name. Uh, this is the Torah portion found in Numbers chapter 22, starting in verse 2 and ending in chapter 25 and verse 9. Just a reminder to refresh your memory, uh, the book of Numbers is the journey to God's rest land, the promised land. Uh, three key words found in the book of Numbers is service, war, and wilderness. Wilderness. So as we get into this Torah portion, we're going to make it very, very, very relevant for today. Yeah. Especially if you love the Jewish people, you love Israel, you love Torah, you're in your Hebrew roots, this, this message is for you uh, at this critical time. It really, really is, because we all need a word from the Lord. So we, we break down the book of Numbers into three sections. It's, it's chapters 1 through 9, which we've already completed, is at Sinai. This is preparation for the journey. This takes place within a few weeks, and of course we have Mount Sinai. Uh, moving on to uh, chapter 10, verse 11, all the way through chapter 21 and verse 4 to Moab, we have the journey. And this takes about 39 years, part two of three parts. And this is uh, something that's relevant geographically is Mount Hor. Moving on, we are in Numbers chapter 22 and verse 2 today. 
which begins the third and final chapter or part of the book of Numbers, takes us all the way through chapter 36. So this is at the gate to the land. This is at Moab, at the gate to the land. Wow. What's the time period, Ryan? A hmm. few months. Yep. And geographically speaking, we're going to discover Mount Nebo. So we've been through, at this point in the book of Numbers, 39 years without even... I mean, I feel like that went by real fast. I mean, that yeah. 39 years, I mean, boom. And what an example for us that are living today. Just like that. So we're going to just jump right in here. Um, Balak sends for Balaam. Uh, who was the king of the Moabites, and was he afraid of Israel? Uh, the answer is yes, he was afraid. His name is Balak, and his name means destroyer or terminator. Nah. Interesting. You know, um, well, there's some internal strife going on with the family, with Cor and all that. Um, but the enemy's coming. Oh, yeah. You know. So so, so there's Balak. And, uh, you got to think, this is the last-ditch effort, right? The enemy wants to keep them out of the land. He was afraid of Israel. Oh, yeah. He was afraid. Yeah. He had fear. Well, think about it. You got, what, two million people you come know, out of Egypt ready to— You know, fear of the unknown. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so where were the elders from whom Moab spoke to about the threat from Israel? They were in Midian, and we were just talking about this before we started on a map, right? That you have Moab, right, and then you have what was it, Midian, and Midian is present day on the other side of Jordan, but the, Saudi right. Arabia, modern day country of Saudi Arabia. So today. Midianites would be in Saudi Arabia, but the Moabites would be in like South Jordan, right? And and the scriptures are very clear, and, and I believe this, and a lot of people believe this, that Mount Sinai is in Saudi Arabia. Oh, yeah, for sure. So Moses actually brought the people where he had already been. Correct. Because you can't take people where you haven't been. Right, right, because what? Yeah. So Jethro, his father-in-law, was the high priest of Midian. Right. Ah. So so the Midianites, you know, and of course, uh, and I do believe that Midian was one of the children of Abraham and... Keturah. Keturah. That's correct. he remarried. That's right. So like we're, we're and all And Moab related. was of Lot, is that right? Descendant of Lot? I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, I think it is. Yes, that's right. The Ammonites, the Moabites. Yep. That's right. Yep. And uh, so so who were the messengers sent to in order to bring him back and curse Israel? That's right. So Balak sends messengers uh, over to Balaam, the son of Beor, who is a sorcerer that they believe is going to be able to help Balak curse Israel. So he has Israel. a reputation. Oh, he does. Oh, yeah. He had a reputation. He's a prophet Balaam, for prophet. Prophet for prophet. No, think about <laughs> his name comes from Baal, right? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I, I didn't get into all the personal Balaam. names. Yeah, no, no. But no. we can look it up. So, so what was in the hands of the elders of Moab and Midian? What was in their hands? It says in the King James, the rewards of divination. So they were going to the prophet for prophet with the prophet in right, their hands. Right, rewards of divination were They're in their They're ready hand. to pay. Uh, the word divination is the Hebrew word kasem. Uh, with the Q, Kassem, uh, and of course it means a lot, uh, including its fee. Basically, an oracle will be spoken, and then there's witchcraft. So actually, you can have commerce with the occult. Isn't that Soleimani's first name? Kasem Soleimani? Kassem? Yeah, Kasem. Kassem. I'll have to, have to check that out, but the, yeah, but he was taken out. He was. Uh, so, so once again, you know, we have the occult. And uh, the occult is, of course, here. Uh, and so the question is, um, how has divination or witchcraft impacted our culture today? And why is the Holy Spirit better, Ryan? You know, um, I had the Sprunts in my group last night. 
And uh, that Matthew Sprunt, I tell you, he comes up with some one-liners that are pretty good. That's right. Makes you think. It does. It does. And his one-liner was, because the Holy Spirit has power and makes you clean instead of unclean. Whereas the occult and divination and witchcraft would be the opposite, right? The power is really fake power, right? It's a, it's right. a, it's a, an illusion of power. It's uh, limited. It is. And it makes you unclean rather than clean. Interesting. So, so people are drawn to the paranormal, and the occult is a counterfeit to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, now, now in the occult, there's no atonement. Right. So, so that's one of the things that's kind of interesting. So, you're God. Yeah. You shall be as God. Yeah. And when you have the fallen angels, like in the Book of Enoch, which is a very interesting resource, it wasn't, in, you know, part of the inspired scriptures or whatever, or, or what do you call it? Um, but it is referenced in the. But scripture. it is referenced, and yeah. so the Book of Enoch is quite fascinating. These fallen angels were down here to show man how to do evil things, bad yeah, things, yeah. war, weapons, um, you know, drugs. Pharmacia. Pharmacia. Yeah. Uh, it's all right there. And one of the chief demons is, of course, Azazel, which is very interesting because that's the scapegoat. Right, but right. He's a chief demon in his fallen nature. Um, but once again, you know, like I said, there's no atonement in the occult. So so there's no there's no redemption or salvation for the fallen angels or demons. See, hell was created for them, but men choose to go there. That's right. So, so I love this, though. I, I was looking at one of these commentaries. I was reading the English Standard Version with the commentary. Oh, yeah. And I thought it was a pretty good translation, so I was just reading it, looking at it. And in the commentary, it said this, Not everything that seems supernatural is from God. Interesting, yeah. Now, I'll give you an example a familiar spirit that we all deal with. Sure. It's familiar with you, but it's not of God. It's something right. we have to deal with. Yeah. You know, it's something that we're familiar with. It's familiar with us, but it's not It's not your spirit. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's a familiar spirit that it, it's assigned to you like a, like an enemy. Sure. Almost, to, to bring you down, drag you down, to influence you, you know? Yeah. I mean, because you, you look at King Saul, you know, at one time he, he kicked out all the witches and witchcraft and all that and called it rebellion. And then he ended up summoning... You ben, know, I see, um, Endor, I was, the witch I was of Endor. I've been reading the book of Acts, um, at night, you know, one chapter at a time. And in the book of Acts, and you finished Matthew, but I, I finished, finished all the gospels, Wow, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we moved on to Acts now. And, but here's, what's interesting in the book of Acts, it references the sorcerers yeah. that were doing signs and wonders Simon. among the people. And then what ends up happening is they end up coming to Paul and Peter and saying, you know, at different times. Give us this power. Give us this power. Exactly Commerce. right. And he, he rebukes them, you know, and says, no, well, this remember, is not for hire. You made a good point, Ryan, because the rewards of divination were in their hands. Exactly right. You can make money. See, how selfish is that? You know, it's interesting, you know, uh, th- when the guy was a cripple begging for money. Yeah. What, what did... What do they say to silver and gold I do not have, but what I have, I give to you. I don't have a credit card. That's right. I have nothing to give you but this. Yep. Boom. A free gift. That's right. Because it's for God's interest and for his glory. Um, So anyway, um, it says here in Numbers 22, 12, And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. But, you know, if if you think about what's being said and what's being done here, you know, even King Saul prophesied. But he was full of jealousy and murder. Right, you can find right, this right. In the Bible. Yep. You can be religious and still be a devil. So God can speak through you, and yet you can still. And that's why Balaam is a Gentile. That's well, why the Jews find this 
so fascinating that God was speaking through a Gentile, and they recognized this. So, so that's what's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so my concern is this. You know, um, my only concern is that Balaam has the wrong motives. He knows that because of what he does, he receives honor and wages. Yeah. So position and power. Position and power. Huh. Wow, I've huh. heard of that. I've heard of that, too. So, wow, that's kind of... Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> thanks for reassuring <laughs> me. So, and we'll get into the New Testament because let Scripture interpret Scripture. Absolutely, you know, yeah. Just to develop it and bring it along. Um, and so, you know, God's basically telling him, listen, you're not going to be able to curse my people. Okay. So he decides to go anyway. He pushes his way. Don't we see that in the church? People don't receive good counsel. He does. They don't listen, but they'll press in and they'll try to work it out. And that's what we try to do is manage, you know, the the crisis or whatever to help them. You've already made the decision. Yeah. You know. So we need to leave some groundwork here because we. It's very clear. God tells him in verse twelve here that you're not going to be able to curse them because they are blessed. So God says it. Right. Okay. He even says unto them, to him, you shall not go with them. Now, obviously, they send some more honorable. They, they elevate from messengers up to princes. They send some, some higher level delegates over to Balaam to come and get him with even greater riches and, and you know, glorious things to give to him to entice him, right? And those people have come on a long journey to see Balaam, so they stay the night. Now, over the course of the night, Balaam talks to God. Good point. Because he says, I can't go with you. Correct. Good point. Now, God gives him... Now, I have never seen this, and this was pointed out in our group last night, and it might have even been by Matthew Sprunigan, which, you know, I want to give honor where honor is due. Um, I'd never noticed this, but what it says here is it says that God had said that you should not go with them, except unless they come and they call for you, you can go with them. So then the very next verse, it says that in the morning he saddled up his stuff and went. So they didn't come for him, right? They stayed the night at his territory or whatever, but instead of him waiting for them to come and call on him, he just felt like, oh, I, I got the green light so I could push the issue. Because I've always, always wondered, why did God decide to stop him? He's like, that God says you can go, but then says, you know, has the whole issue with the donkey. I've never noticed it before, that just like Moses was supposed to speak to the rock, instead of striking the rock, and we can see that as like a subtle difference. So they, he sent these messengers again. So, the me- so there's two sets that. of messengers. That's right. The but first set, no. On can't go with Correct. You. And on the second Balaam time, he says, tells them oh, no again. Oh, but I've got something for you, Balaam. But then, and- so then they're staying the night, and they're going to get up in the morning and leave. Right. Balaam talks to God that night, and God says, um, if they come and call for you, you can go with them. i got to find the verse. You can verse continue 16. It might be. And Balak sent again princes more uh, uh, to them, right? And then they came to Balaam, the son of Zippor, for I promote thee, very great honor. And Balaam answered and said to the, unto the servants of Balak, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. So he's telling them he can't go. Now therefore I pray you, tarry ye also here this night, that I may know what the Lord will say unto me more. So he's going to say, hey, stay here. I'm going to talk to the Lord. And God came unto Balaam at night and said unto him, If the men come to call thee, if the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them, but yet the word which I shall say unto thee, that shalt thou do. Now here's the very next so he's verse. Basically, let me get this straight. He's going to let Balaam go this time because they came for him a second time. No. No? He's saying, 
in the morning. But he's gonna say, you're only going to say what I want you to say, though, because I know you're going with them, right? Because I'm just saying. I mean, well, it seems confusing. It does, but here's, here's, the, here's the subtle difference that I think I've never noticed in the past, and this is it. It says here the, that he says, if the men come to call thee. Now, remember, they're staying the night there. So if they come to call you, then you can go with them. But the point here is that I believe Balaam is supposed to wait for them to come to him. But the very next verse is, And Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his donkey and went with the princes of Moab. It doesn't say that they came to him because I've always wondered why would God let them go and then cause this whole issue on the road? You know? It, see, it seems like, you know, he, he says you can't curse them. He already said so that, So the second yeah. set of messengers came. So, okay, you can go with them. I'm just seeing the other side. Yeah. You can go with them, but you can only say what I want you to say. Correct. That's, that's what basically is going to happen. Yeah. Now, but then it, why does he do that and then stop him on the road with an we, angel? It's a developing story that we got to break up. Yeah. But, but, but like I said, he, he says, was basically saying, and, and, and Balaam had the wrong motives the whole time. Oh, absolutely. You, know, if you think about yeah, the yeah, wrong yeah. motives. Yeah. Just like, okay, why do we want to bait to heal Israel? Yeah. What are our motives? What's our purpose? Right. You know, what are we really wanting to do? What are we trying to do? What are we trying to accomplish? Yeah. We're trying to complete a role that God has given us. That's right. To support Israel, the Jewish people, to have a presence, boots on the ground and everything. Yeah. So, so this story is developing. And, 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 so, and so Balak was going to give great honor to Balaam if he cursed Israel. Okay. Uh, God's anger was kindled because Balaam went with the princes of Moab. And so he sent the angel of the Lord for an adversary against him. You know, I, I, I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag because it's the right thing to do. <laughs> I just have to say it because in hindsight, I can say this. Yeah. Balaam is going to die in battle later on. Oh, yeah, of course. He's going to get what's coming to he him. He does. Absolutely. So that's what happens in the Hebrews of the Christian faith movement. You're going to get what's coming to you. Ooh, and everything. Because you're not doing the right thing. You're not representing Christ. You're not representing this movement in the right way. And you have your own you, you, you alternate his purpose. Yes. You change his That's purpose. That's right. And we can't do Breach that. of promise. Yeah. Breach of promise, which yep. is found. Uh, and so how many times did the donkey Balaam was riding on try to avoid the angel of the Lord that was in her path? It's a female donkey. Thrice. Three times. So three means divine of the Lord. Amen. Okay. Uh, once again, you know, uh, we talk about that terrible tsunami that happened one Christmas year some years ago. And... Uh, like 250,000 people lost their lives. That's awful. But before the tsunami hit, all the animals hit high ground. Yeah. Because they knew their senses something was coming. So yeah. it's quite amazing. Uh, and so how many times did Balaam strike his donkey because he could not see the angel of the Lord? Again, thrice, three times. You know, there's a lot of supernatural activity going on whenever there's a major event. Yeah. Just like the burning bush with Moses. Just like when Joshua goes into the promised land. Yeah. I mean, the Lord appeared in a theophany, and he was told to take his shoes off. Mm. You don't take your shoes off for an angel. Right. So I'm telling you, Ryan, I believe that people in this movement, the Hebrews of the Christian faith movement, if we're on the right path and we're doing the right things, I believe we're going to witness theophanies of God, supernatural manifestations or something yeah. that are like, hey, this is going down. Yeah. Because it's only fitting. I mean, you can see it all throughout uh, the Bible, a theophany that yeah. would happen, you know, um, even Yeshua followed them in the wilderness. He was that rock. So the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she had a conversation with Balaam in regards to him striking her. You know, I, uh, I have personally owned donkeys. And uh, if a donkey ever opened its mouth and started talking to me, I would, um, I would listen. You know, it's been said. Now, I don't know if this is true or not. <laughs> that animals could speak in the Garden of Eden, so I don't know. 
Or uh, some form of communication or something. But it says it in Jasher. In Ecclesiastes, yeah. though, they have no soul. Yeah. You know, it was interesting. I was riding in the car, and a day was in the front. And I said something about... Um, something about... Um, I don't know what exactly what I said. Something along the lines of... Uh, I ran over a grasshopper. Oh, and died. But, poor but, grasshopper. But it's in heaven. Yeah. Said, but it's in heaven. And Adea says, no, because it has no soul. My daughter, 10 years old. Oh, wow. No, it has no soul. And I looked at her and I'm like, where do you get this? Yeah. So you've been listening. <laughs> then we started kind of talking about pets in heaven and different things. You know, yeah. like, well, Jesus comes on a white horse. So there are some animals in heaven. Well, all dogs goes, yeah, go to heaven. Yeah, that's that's a good. <laughs> so you get in these conversations with your kids, and it is fascinating. Yeah. You know, it is something. To there think is about. a book out there that talks about how pets go to heaven. There, it's interesting things, you know. Um, you know, I think we had a better relationship with animals in the Garden of Eden than we do now. Uh, no doubt. But there's fear of us and everything. We weren't eating them back right. then. <laughs> but yeah, so so God allows this donkey to speak. And uh, the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam so he could see the angel of the Lord with his sword drawn, and he fell flat on his face. You know, I've had situations, Ryan, where a guy would show me things and I would share it. Yeah. And I'd be a little disappointed because there wasn't any results. Yeah. People were like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) And I went home and I was disappointed (laughs) one time. And and the Lord said, I showed this to you. Yeah. They don't see it. Right. So don't. Don't be hurt over it. You know, when I imagine angels and I imagine this particular one with a with a giant sword, right? Um, I imagine the description in the first chapter of Ezekiel with these angels that had the six wings, right? The two that caused them to fly, the ones that covered their their um, yeah. body, the ones that covered their feet or something along oh, those man. lines, right? And I was just like, I, I imagine just the size. And I've seen people like make artistic depictions of these angels, right? Yeah. With the faces seraphim, on either side, yeah. you know? Cherubs, seraphim. And classes of angels. And I just, all I can say is if this showed up, like if we're here, you know what I mean? And and you don't fall on your face in some way, shape or form. Like I would, I would not, I would look at you a little odd, you know, like, like it's. But, that, but the spirit realm was here first. It you was. know, uh, what did the angel of the Lord say to Balaam before he went with the princes of Balak? He says, go with the men, but only the word that I shall speak unto thee, that shall thou speak. Now, this is interesting because I think you're right. Balaam is pushing the issue with God. He's saying, I'm going to go. And so finally, God relents and oh, yeah, lets him go. Bad motives. And then, you know, as we mentioned, it's possible that he didn't wait for the guys to come to him, that he just saddled up and went with them, even though they didn't come back and call on him uh, that third time. But that true or not, I think that God is using the theatrics here to, to make a point to Balaam that, look, I have all power on heaven and earth, and I'm sending you, and I'm going to allow you to go, but if you so much as step a toe over the line of saying something that I didn't say, this sword is going to be for you. And this whole thing is playing out because God loves for this to play out. He just does. That's just the way he is. Uh, he's a creator, so right. he likes to see his creation move. You know, why are yeah. you so mindful of, of humans, the angels would say. Right. Um, and so... He can only say what God tells him to say. He understands that. Um, and he's going to do that. But Balak took Balaam and brought him up into the high places of Baal, where he might see the uttermost part of the people. He's like, I don't want you to just curse some of them. I want you to curse all Now, Mike brought this out last <laughs> night. Now, here's what I wrote down, because uh, I picked up on this last uh, last Sunday. I was reading this. Just like the children of Israel in the wilderness, we don't see the enemy around us today. 
the enemies all around us, even right now as we do this podcast, yeah. you know, um, I've seen like dark shadows. Yeah. Like, you know, because because they're around. Yeah. They're looking for an opportunity. So just like the children of Israel in the wilderness, we don't see the enemy around us today. Um, and now we're going to get into, and I'm going to let Ryan take this over. We can talk about these. He, he's got some blessings here. But this, these are about Balaam's offerings. Yeah. So once again, if you're not offering sacrifices to God, Ryan, who are you offering them to? Mm, interesting, yeah. Demons. You know, you mentioned that, that the, the enemy is all around us. I remember being in Israel up on a mountain pruning. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, you started to smell. And my, like my nasal passages started to burn a little bit, my eyes, you know. And what it was is we were downwind from, uh, like, smoke bombs or smoke grenades that the IDF was tossing at people. So there was obviously some sort of uh, skirmish. skirmish yeah. yeah. And we'd witnessed up on the mountain down in the valley the day before them using the smoke grenades to push youth that would come up and just try to like vandalize areas because they're down in the Arab village. Oh, yeah. They would try to come up the mountains and start to mess with the Jewish villages. Right. Just causing trouble, right? Uh, and so they would use this as a way to push them back, right? And the, right. these guys are pretty bold. They know the IDF and what they're allowed to do. That's right. But here I am. Clueless, just, just turn it away, and then boom, you know, and and you realize toxic. We don't know what it was that they were pushing off, but we know that they had they had already taken care of it. Something was going on, but that's how God does it with us. There's so much that we don't even realize that God is taking care of for us, that He's taking the obstacles out of. I mean, we are blessed, and God is so merciful and so gracious to us. We're not even aware of how much He protects us from. It's true. So, you know, let's let's look at... Go ahead and continue All right, I'm on with going. the... Uh, time is a ticket. <laughs> yes, I am the timekeeper. Time is a ticket. Timekeeper. Right. So Balaam's offering. Balaam had seven altars built along with seven oxen and seven rams prepared. Now, I have to say, Balaam has some audacity because God told him from the gate, you're not going to be able to curse them because they are blessed. Right. right? So he went... Anyways, because he's greedy and he wants the money. He has bad intentions. Balaam is not a nice guy, right? Even though he's only doing what God told him to do, right? Quote, unquote. Bad intentions. He has bad intentions. And he's using Balak. Yes, he's leading him on. Leading him on. I don't like this. Not one bit. He can't do, he's got to do something. But here's just the point. They deserve each other. Balaam and Balak are getting exactly what they deserve. Balak's getting taken advantage of. That's right. Balaam's going to get his in the end. All right? So Balaam blesses Israel instead of cursing them the first time. And here's here's the, the, the text, blessing. right? The first blessing. Chapter 23, verses 9 and 10 in the book of Numbers. For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. Lo, the people shall dwell alone and shall not be reckoned among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob and number the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like his. You know, I find that last part of the verse kind of interesting, how Balaam throws himself in there. Let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like his, trying to throw himself in with that blessing for Jacob. And, and notice that it says the people shall dwell alone. He's talking about Israel. Yeah, absolutely. And how was Judaism preserved or how did the Jewish people preserve themselves? Right. But through their own... Isolation. Communities. Right, absolutely. They're self-sufficient communities. That's what kept them going, you know. Uh, it's interesting that they shall not be reckoned among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob and the number of the fourth part of Israel? Because think about how many Christians are grafted in. Oh, absolutely. To the olive tree. Yeah. And the roots Yeshua 
and we're grafted in. And once we were far away, Christ has brought us near. Right. And, and we don't replace the Jewish people. We just become part of it. Yeah. And that's why as Gentiles, as, as Christians, we have to support the Jewish people in Israel. You know, I think of to. these things where you try to count something, right? Try to count it. And um, I've got about 30 chickens. And every once in a while I come around and I try to count them to see, like, have any gotten taken by a coyote too, or I'm whatever. City, yeah. You know, and so I'll try to count. But then they move around on me, you know. <laughs> and they shuffle. And I'm like, what did I already you know, just paint numbers on their feathers. I don't know. Something. I got to do something. But it's funny because you, there's billions of us now, believers, right? There's what, bi- like seven billion or eight billion? There, well, there's eight billion, almost eight billion people on the planet. But there's billions of, of believers in Yeshua. And, no, that's true. And there's millions of Jews. Since the time of Adam and Eve. You can't count us. You, there's no way. There's no way. So, so here's what happens. Balaam blesses Israel instead of cursing them a second time after offering sacrifices at the top of Pisgah. Now, this is where I'm like, look, man, you're really taking Balak to town. So they start on one mountain. And then, seven's completion. But they build seven. You know how expensive this is? I mean, seven, what did it say? Seven oxen. He's Seven probably telling Balak, I need, I need all these things. Oh, of course. Give them to me. Yeah, you will. And he here's the deal. In order to get the word from the Lord, he has to bring the sacrifice, right? So he's bringing that, the that's sacrifice. That's how it works, right? Yeah. yeah. So he's not going to be able to get the word from the Lord, but he already knows what it is. So he's literally, do, like, it's like God is playing a big joke on Balak. Egging him on. Oh, man, it's bad. So here's the second blessing that uh, Balaam speaks over the people of Israel from the mountain of Pisgah, and this is found in Numbers chapter 23, verses 21 through 24. And it says, He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. God brought them out of Egypt. <coughs> he hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn. Surely there is no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any divination against Israel. According to to this time it shall be said of Jacob and of Israel, What hath God wrought? Behold, the people shall rise up like a great, as a great lion and lift up himself as a young lion. He shall not lie down until he eat of the prey and drink the blood of the slain. Now, this blessing I find interesting for a couple of different reasons. First off, it talks about unicorns. And, I mean, who doesn't love unicorns, right? <laughs> Now, there's the, most people theorize that this is actually rhinoceros or some sort of a, a breed of oxen um, or bull. Interesting. But, you know, the point in the Hebrew there is that it's, it's a single-horned animal of some sort. Then also, um, it says here, Surely there is no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any divination. The whole point of this process that Balak is, is hiring Balaam for is to bring an enchantment or a divination against Israel. But... A curse does not come without a cause. That's correct. So you can't just curse somebody. Well, and and God says here, He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. Right? So we've got got no, no wrongdoing at this moment. But then it even goes on, and the blessing adds a little twist at the end, right? And it, and it compares Israel to a lion and says that he will not lie down until he eat the prey and drink the blood of the slain. The scepter will not depart from Judah. We're going to get into that too. Well, but here's what's interesting. Uh, the whole issue here that started all of this process is that Balak is afraid of Israel. So not only is Israel being blessed, but he's also declaring over Israel that, hey, Israel will eat the prey and drink the blood of the slain, kind of making them sound like savage you know, warriors. 
and I think that this is just going to play on the fear that Balak already has um, of of Israel. And so Balaam blesses Israel even a third time. This Wait time, a let, let me go back over this. Real okay, quick. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I just want to say yeah. this: the word enchantment is nachash in the, in the Hebrew. It means to hiss or whisper a magic spell. Right. See, to hiss or whisper a magic spell. Yikes. There's demonic tongues. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's demonic tongues, like spells, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, anyway, um, a curse cannot come without a cause. So, our own worst enemy is ourself. Um, but to look at the people like a lion, yeah, is interesting. You know, I was at a a conference, and it was a Tuesday night. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. the worship was going on, and I kid you not, Ryan, there was these two songs about the Holy Spirit. And I was in this meeting, and I literally heard a roar like a lion yeah. go up and out into the atmosphere, into yeah. the streets and all around. Like it was, it was, it was, it was a release in the spirit realm. And I was like, Hallelujah! I mean, I, I was like, I could feel it. Yeah, I know what a shout is. I know what a large crowd is. You know, what's this noise? You know, but it was literally like the sound of a lion. Wow! That our praises brought forth the roar of a lion, and that's even in the Bible. The roar of a lion, yeah, is brought. Let the lion roar. Even in one of the songs, Josiah was singing, talks about the roar of a lion. So I, I want to just mention that, um, and of course, what does it say that that Judah will overcome their enemies? Oh yeah. So let's go ahead and get this third time. That's good. Yeah. So Balaam blesses Israel a third time at the top of Peor that looks toward Jeshimon. After offering up more sacrifices on seven altars. That's 21 altars. 21 altars and at least 42 sacrifices. So he had 21 different altars. 21 altars. Yep. 21 altars, 42 sacrifices. So geographically speaking, that's like portals. Like Mount Hermon is a portal. Oh, yeah, yeah. So if we do these different altars in different places, it's like a portal. Yeah. To to summon demonic activity. Oh, not good. Or to summon something. Yep. It's not good. It's not good. So, um, this is the best one. You think so, huh? I know so. Okay. Okay. This one's really, really All right. Good. So this, this is the third blessing, uh, spoken by Balaam over the people of Israel in the presence of Balak. And it's found in, uh, Numbers chapter 24 and it's verses five through nine. It says, how goodly are thy tents, O Jacob, and thy tabernacles, O Israel. As the valleys are, they spread forth as gardens by the river's side, as the trees of line aloes, which the Lord hath planted, and as cedar trees beside the waters. He shall pour the water out of his buckets, and his seed shall be in many waters, and his king shall be higher than Agag, and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brought him forth out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn. He shall eat up the nations his enemies and shall break their bones and pierce them through with his arrows. He couched, he lay down as a lion and as a great lion who shall stir him up. Blessed is he that blesseth thee and cursed is he that curseth thee. Oh, man. So what's interesting is that and his seed shall be in many waters and his king shall be higher than Agag. Very interesting, isn't it? Uh, it, it says this right here, though. He couched, he lay down as a lion, as a great lion. Mm-hmm. Who shall stir him up? Blessed is he that blesseth thee, and cursed is he that curseth thee. Mm-hmm. So as Christians, we want to bless the Jewish people. Yeah. Bless Israel. Now, as you as you let Scripture interpret Scripture, I thought this was interesting that it talks about multiple seeds shall be in many waters, and his king shall be higher than Agag. 
uh, it talks about this lion. Uh, now, and I do believe in the second blessing, uh, there's a great lion mentioned. Yes, right? the, it's the lion and the young okay. lion, and this one's the great lion. Okay, so so I want to just read to you out of Mal, uh, as, of course Micah, Micah, chapter five, uh, verses seven through nine. Ah. So this is the prophet that foretold where the Messiah this would be. This is part born. of the half Torah. This is the half Torah of the wow. prophets. Okay. Now I want to read this because remember it says that Israel will be in many different places. Yeah. And there'll be a lion and it would defeat the enemy. Here, now check this out. And the remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many people. Huh. As a dew from the Lord, as the showers upon the grass, that tarrieth not for man, nor waiteth for the sons of men. And the remnant of Jacob shall be among the Gentiles in the midst of many people as a lion among the beasts wow. of the forest, as a young lion among the flocks of sheep, who, if he go through, both treadeth down and teareth in pieces, and none can deliver. Yeah. Thine hand shall be lifted up upon thine adversaries, and all thine enemies shall be cut off. So, Father, right now we just pray, and we thank you Hallelujah. that we are grafted in to the olive tree of Israel, and we lift up the Jewish people to you. But, Father, right now we're in Brandon, Florida, and we pray, Father, that you would scatter our enemies, because we recognize that we have been scattered, but you will scatter our enemies no matter where we're scattered. And you will dissipate them. They will be pulled away from us. They will be defeated like a roaring lion. And Yeshua is that lion, the Amen. lion of the tribe of Judah. Hallelujah. And we ask this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's good. That's, wow. a, that's a good word, see? It is. We don't have to worry about our enemies. God's going to take care of them. Now, when I was um, at Hayavel, uh, they do morning prayers. So all the men, and, I, I, and I'm guessing they do this with the groups when they're co-ed groups, family oh, yeah. groups. Um, but it's, there's something about men coming together, you know, and praying. And um, this verse, uh, I when I read it after the fact, right, I knew these words, but, I, you know, sometimes you don't realize that the, some of these prayers that are Jewish prayers come from the Bible. Like, who would have thought, right? Like, I don't know what Psalms. we— Psalms? Yeah, I don't know where we think they come from, right? But this one is, uh, is this. I'm going to sing, actually, this one to you guys. So it says, Ma tovu. Oh, Halecha Yaakov, Mishkenotecha Israel, Bani Berov Chazdecha, Avovetecha, Heshtecha El Haicho Korshecha, and in English, it's how lovely are your tents, O Jacob, your tabernacles, O Israel. As for me, through your abundant grace, I enter your house to worship with awe in your sacred place. And so that's uh, coming directly from this is the first line, uh, chapter 24, verse 5 of the book of Numbers. And the second piece is Psalms chapter 5 and verse 8. And it's just, uh, I don't know, I, I, I like it because... Ma Tovu. And Paul Wilbur sings it. You, you can find it on Spotify. But one of the things Ma that I tovu. find, like, w with context, so part of being in the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith, and part of getting back to the root, is also getting back to the context, that we're looking at the Bible like an originalist would, right? What, what was the point here that and God... And it's God's that, perspective, it was too, through Balaam, right? 
Well, so, so it many, wasn't Balaam. It was God saying, how goodly are they tents of Jacob. Correct. God's perspective. Correct. So in context, when us. you were praying these prayers, right, the, the, the Spirit of God over you is that you cannot be cursed because you are blessed. That's good. And so I look at it, and I'm like, wow, that's the whole point, right? And then it even says, goes on in the end of this blessing. Blessed is he that blesseth thee, and cursed is he that curseth thee. Trees lined with aloes, that's healing. Listen, the enemies of Israel are being forced to declare this over Israel. The enemies of the Israel. Gentile. And so I look at this, Bail and I'm like, Gentile. I'm like, you know, our God is powerful. They're paying 42 sacrifices, 21 altars, three mountains worth of this. And this is what God gives them. Oh, I'm telling you. So I just, I'm thankful because God really is looking out for Israel. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't sleep. So Balak's not happy right now. No, 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 Balak. He's livid. So, So did Balaam tell Balak that he could speak only what the Lord told him? Yes. He did. And what time frame did Balaam use to tell Balak that Israel would deal with the Moabites? In the latter days. It does. It says it in verse 14. In the latter days. It says days. Uh, right here, it says, And now behold, I go unto my people. Come therefore, I will advertise thee what this people shall do to thy people in so the latter days. Israel's modern day enemies. I mean, there's the country of Jordan next to them. But yeah. I'm saying that if there's any enemies within Jordan or around that area, geographically yeah. speaking. Sure. Even in the Negev, I mean, God's going to deal with them, just like he did Moab. Well, and just like the Moabites have, you know, they've become a new people. And we're not going to name any names, but it's, you know, these people are are so-called, right. right? So what is going to come out of Jacob in verse 17? Verse 17. Yeah. You know what? It says here, it says, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy all the children of Sheth. And there's a whole... These are prophecies. There's a whole other set He's of prophecies He's making a here. statement. It's not really a blessing. It's a prophecy. Correct. Correct. And so what was going to rise out of Israel then? So the star is Yeshua, and the scepter is Yeshua. That's right. Now, if you want to read, Ryan, real quickly here, go to Genesis chapter 49, verses 9 through 12, oh. uh, Jacob's blessing over Judah. So what was going to rise out of Israel but a scepter, a monarchy, a king? All a right, king, so the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down. He couched as a lion and as an old lion. Who shall rise him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Interesting, too, that he's the fourth child, Judah, to be born to Leah. There's Reuben, Simeon, Levi, then Judah. Yeah. Four corners of the earth. I mean, four. So he's number four. Judah's number four. That's right. And Judah means to praise. So, so he, the scepter would come through that, that tribe, that lineage, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And in verse 20, what was going to be... Amalek's end perish forever so so the prophecy is that eventually Amalek oh, yeah. will be wiped off of the earth you know that's why there's this awakening among Christianity because mm -hmm. we're going to fight with Judah right and the enemy will flee that's right so if we don't come alongside Judah they won't win that's it'll be, right. It'll be a tough road. Yeah, it will be. So that's the whole thing. And there's more prophecies about that later on. But but it, it is exciting to see because you're going to need faith to do it. Yeah. But the perish forever will be Amalek's end. He is the grandson of Esau. Okay. And uh, actually, if you break down the name Amalek, it means a people who lick blood. 
So that's pretty rough. Uh, people that ring, people that lap, a dweller in a veil, or flame-like. A dweller in the veil. So Amalek is actually part of the family tree. But, you know, uh, I heard um, a rabbi say, I think it was Rabbi Shlomo Katz, says it's Amalek. Yeah. Is a a person or a spirit that would want to throw water on your fire on your on your zeal and passion? Oh yeah, they want to throw water on oh, you. Oh yeah, to put you out. Oh yeah, thwart you, stop you. Yeah, we can't afford for God's people to rise up with passion and purpose, right? So yeah, there's so there's Amalek, and, and and see once again we we have to realize that we have spiritual warfare. The Apostle Paul was taught this. Yeah, we're not battling flesh and blood. No, 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 no. So we have to understand that because he was taken to the desert and, and shown all these things to, to give to the church. Uh, and of course, we have uh, physical enemies, real enemies as well. Yeah, Israel does every day. So the the, the good news is we're going to defeat the enemies. Yeah, they're defeated. Well, they're, it's already yeah, been foretold. Amen. If we take that responsibility. So the end here now, after this this little conversation and the prophecies and all that. Is that Balaam rose up and went and returned to his place, and Balaam or Balak also went his way. You know, it's interesting that the enemies of Israel never stay together. People cause problems, like even at the church, you'll get a little group of people cause some problems. Yeah, and then we resolve it, and then they scatter. They don't even stay together. Well, if you really think, like I look at, like, like they'll leave here, but they won't stay together. But even like modern day politics, right? There's. There's a lot of uh, confederates out there that really their only purpose is to kind of poke God in the eye. They don't really match together, right? Like why does why would uh, two groups of people that disagree on everything only come together on one issue where they intersect? You know, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't make any sense because eventually they're gonna they're gonna eat each other up, right? So let's say they win, right? Well, then they're they're now gonna fight each other. So it's not a long-term So I would say um, this. If you're willing covenant. to put up a fight or a battle, mm-hmm. w- what's your faith? What are you trying to practice? What oh, are you yeah. trying to perform Amen. or do? Yep, yep. Not, not, to, not to thwart somebody else or be criticizing them. Uh, but anyway, um, two New Testament writers tell us that Balaam is an example of those who sin for personal gain. Second Peter mm-hmm. 2.15. Second Peter 2.15. You want to read that, Ryan? Second uh, Peter, I can two fifteen. Yep. So I he's a prophet it. for profit. He is a prophet for profit. All right. So here it is. Which have forsaken? Yes, two, two fifteen. Right. Two, yeah. Seven, yeah. Okay. Which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bos- uh, Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Wow. But was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumb donkey speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. Yeah, I told you about that one. Right? Yeah, that's. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Makes that's, me giggle. That is funny. And forbade the madness of the prophet. So, uh, what is the so point he here? Had wrong intentions. Well, and wrong and, motive. And he loved the wages of unrighteousness. So think about: it. we can know the will of God and speak it, but not believe it or do it, and have our own interest in mind. Oh yeah. Now Jude one eleven says this, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. So it's the way of Cain right. and the error of Balaam. Now, now, so let's establish this. Balaam had the wrong motives, absolutely positively. He had the wrong motives, number one. 
Uh, he was in it for, for, for wealth and gain, power, yeah. position, right. whatever. But, of course, in Revelation 2.14, this is the clincher here. That sure is. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. This is to the church of Pergamos. Pergamos, the church of Pergamos, uh, which is a modern-day country found in Turkey, but uh, Pergamos is right here. So he said, hey, listen, I can't curse them, but this is what you can do. So we're noticing that there's a, advice. there's a specific sin or a specific way or an error of Balaam, right? Uh, it reminds me of um, the sin of Jeroboam. And speaking of which, just this morning I was noticing that there's a consulting firm named Jeroboam Consulting. And I was just wondering to myself, like, do they know who Jeroboam is? And then it dawned on me, like, maybe they do. You know, he's the first anti-Semite. Well, and to, he, to, to say the least. Well, and he's also uh, the one with whom they talk about all the rest of the kings of Israel, how they continued in the sin of Jeroboam. Yeah, the and church I was just model. Like, Why would somebody name? It's even been said it's a church model to some degree. Whoa, I know, and you can probably lay it down like that. You probably that. could make an argument, just like Esau. You could you could fit some pieces in there when you go and you read Obadiah, you know, and you could fit pieces in there and stuff like that. But then you could also fit Islam into there. There's a lot of archetypes and structures that you could see, types and shadows, yeah. that you can put people into the template. And the point is, it's a spirit, right? It's not... Well, we could see these things manifest in the earth in different organizations or different places, right. but it's the spirit behind it, and that's that's how it manifests. So go ahead and hit, hit the... Uh, we're in Numbers 25... Uh, verses 1 through 9. The Moabite women seduce Israel, Ryan. This is where it really stinks. You know, here's the plan now. I just get so frustrated. Comes in your camp. I get so frustrated. What did Israel do when they camped in Sheatim? Well, they began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. Okay, here we go. Now, why? In 1 Corinthians 10 8, here's the thing. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and 20,000. So the plague's coming. Yeah. Now, the, the five tests are found in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1. You can read, we can read through them. Uh, don't lust. Don't commit idolatry. Don't commit fornication. Don't tempt the Lord. And don't murmur. Mm-hmm. So these are the, basically the five things that we all have to avoid. They are examples for us who are living today that they, where they messed up, we can learn. Yeah, know? exactly. And, and we make those mistakes as well. But 1 Corinthians 10.8 basically is, is a cross-reference. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and 20,000. Is there sexual immorality in America? Oh, my gosh. It's Actually, so welcome bad. to a whole month of celebrating sexual immorality. <laughs> no wonder we need to go off the grid. Oh, my gosh. So did Israel sacrifice and bow down to their gods? Now, something to think about. Yes. 1 Corinthians 10.20. I want to read 10 It's the same chapter. Yeah, it's the same chapter. Wow. Check this out. So in the Golden Calf incident, Ryan, they had idolatry that turned into sexual immorality. Right. That's why idolatry is sexual immorality. Sexual immorality is idolatry. Right. So at Baal Peor now, they go into fornication. Right. They go into sexual immorality. Right. Which turns into idolatry. Sure. So look what happens here in this. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils. Oh. And not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Mm-hmm. 
So we talked about this earlier, that the sin is, you know, um, fornication, sexual immorality, offering up to devils and demons, yeah. not to God. Right. So, so once again, sacrifice to devils. Let's you know, continue on here. You know, um, Israel joined themselves to Baal Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And that's where your sons and daughters were prophesied. See, this is where the next generation drops the ball. They lost the whole generation, yeah, and they didn't learn from that. They continued in it. Go well, on. and and I think, like we look at today and how easily we can be turned to the left and to the right, and I can see, you know, as a a man, how sending in, you know, the daughters of a of a group, you know. To come in and bring the lust in can draw people into immorality right. and into idolatry. That's why we got to have modesty and different things. Well, and that's why cause your brother to stumble. That's why you have to we have to train our young men what's important in life, right? What's true? What are you? What is it truly that you you want? Right. Because otherwise, we're left to you know. Well, let's let's look at what happens to the lust. leaders. The leader should have known better. Yep. So it says here in Numbers chapter 25, verse 4, And the Lord said to Moses, Take all the heads of the people and hang them up before the Lord against the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. So and the so, leadership should have rose up. That's right. And Moses sent judges of Israel to slay every one of his men that were joined to Baal Peor. And a Midianitish woman was brought forward before Moses and the children of Israel while there was weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. So... This incident happens um, while they're repenting, right? So there's a group that's repenting, and then there's a group that is still trying to push this agenda. And I, I foresee that as being, you know, I see that's happening today. I see there's a whole crew of people that's trying to say, oh, this is okay. This it's is normal. Right. This blatant is, it's sin. Absolute. In your face. That's what this example was. It, In, was. it was the Eastern Gate. It was the Eastern Way. It was there that, that this actually took place. So it, it even goes through and tells the name, you know, of the, of the woman and, and all this stuff. But I, I'm not going to get into all that. Here's the point. Someone stepped up. Someone did the right thing. And so here's question number 19. Who was responsible for taking a javelin and thrusting it through the man of Israel and a woman in the tent to stop the plague? They were in the middle of the act of intimacy. Yeah. Well, because and and th- this is where I think people don't get any. Wow. You know, there's conspiracy you theories. You about walking in on somebody? Yeah. I'm just like. So the answer was Pincus, right? It's Phineas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest that did this. And he stepped up and did the right thing. And it takes a, a moral fortitude to step up and do the right that thing. That was a righteous indignation, rose especially up. Especially when it's something radical, like skewering them with a javelin, right? In front and of all the people. And, and, and Pincus, or Phineas, is a third generation. So. Whose dad's Eliezer, whose dad was Aaron. So he's a third generation. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So, but here's the issue. Instead of calling a spade a spade, right? Now the church as a whole has kind of dropped the ball on stepping up and doing yeah, the right thing. Where's the bar? Right? Got to raise the bar. Well, instead of well, get back to a standard. Instead of saying, "Hey, let's try to attain to the bar," what we're saying is, "Oh, there's no bar. Let's set the bar." Yeah. Yeah. We're we'll just get rid of the bar. There's no bar. Well, we don't like bars. You know, bars. You know, we don't like bars. We don't like standards. So honestly, we we dishonor God in the end when we do away with the standard. Because I think that's the issue here about the relevance of Torah, where we have subtly done away with God's word 
and said that it's not relevant. And then we wonder why is it that people are coming up with their own harebrained schemes as to what's okay and what's not okay. And people know by the Holy Spirit internally inside of them what's okay and what's not okay. Even the people committing the acts know it's wrong. People come out of, of different immoral lifestyles, whether it be fornication from a heterosexual standpoint or from a homosexual standpoint or whatever. They come out of these things, and they knew that it was wrong when they were doing it, right? But they were attracted to it because sin is fun in the moment, right? It's the lust of the flesh, the, what is the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These are the things that pull you away you from know, God. I will say this, though, and this is something just to think about. For sure. For thought. I don't know exactly, but I, I'm just thinking that. You know, how many people died in the plague? 24,000. 24,000. Yeah. Now, Jonathan Kahn, in, in his recent book, was talking about the shedding of innocent blood. God is going to punish the world. So he punished the world through, yeah. through COVID-19. He allowed this plague to sweep over the world. Yeah. So let's just say it's this. Let's say that this is a, a plague against sexual immorality or whatever. Sure. You know that sexual diseases are increasing. Oof. I, I, I mean, STDs yeah. and everything. It's increasing. And they have like these top 10 states, but Florida is one of them yeah. in certain cases. Absolutely. But I'm just saying that. Especially college um, town. Yeah. So, so, so the thing is, you know, um, as we look at this, just so you understand why is sexual immorality is sin and so damaging, our reference is 1 Corinthians 6, 15 through 20, Ryan, if you want to look that up. This is a very good reference to have because the Gentiles were pagan. They're committing, uh, you know, idolatry and all these different things. And so this is a very powerful portion of Scripture that I want Ryan to read that we have as a reference. Why is sexual immorality so bad and what's important? Yeah, I read this last night, and it, this, these Scriptures pretty much answer that this question. This is what really helps us out. Yeah. <laughs> it puts it in context for the New Testament. So it says, Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God? And ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, and in your spirit, which are God's. So I just kind of broke this down into just three little parts, just so we understand. Uh, even yeah. if we start, struggle with sexual morality, we have to overcome it. We have to understand what the scriptures say. First of all, your bodies are the members of Christ. Yes. Okay, number one. Yep. Number two, he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Right. It's the worst sin to commit. Yeah. Because you're part of Christ. Right. So that part of the body is tainted. Right. Uh, number three, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. So what are we filling ourselves up with? Remember, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him. It's what's coming out. Yeah. So we have to fill ourselves with, with God. Right. But, but it says that right here. Um, For you are bought with the price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Uh, it says right here in verse 19, uh, that was 20, but what know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own, which is in you. So you got to say, I have the Holy Spirit in me. Amen. I have the Holy Spirit in me. I have the Holy Spirit. I'm a member of the body of Christ, you know. And so as we see that, you know, uh, it, it's important. So the two things that happen, you know, 
Uh, and I would just say there's two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion, Balak, uh, from a consensus of the group, uh, myself and Ryan. Uh, first of all, I, I would say avoid the occult and sexual immorality. Amen. That's what's going on right now. That is so rampant. You know, Red Bradley that's good advice. teaches like biblical child training. Red Bradley, great resource. Old school, man. I love Red Bradley. Um, and um, he talked about, you know, when his, when, his, when his kids would see these magazines and stuff, he would say, you know, just we need to pray for them because they're prostituting themselves and they don't realize what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're, they're harlots and they don't realize. Yep. And we think it's advertisement or just a picture. Yeah. But they're really it's selling them, their souls. They're absolutely. selling themselves. Yep. Uh, and, and of course, I would say this, though, in, 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 in good news, in a positive light, for those of you that have listened to this or watched this, my second thing is after a plague, there are great opportunities. I believe the Praise state of God. Israel is going to open up wide because this plague is on its downward turn. Yep. We're dealing with it. It's been horrific. But I'm saying that after a plague, there are great opportunities. I taught this. It's one of the teachings. You can go on our YouTube channel and check it out. Yeah. But I believe Israel's going to open up. I believe doors are going to open up. And we're going to see an incredible move of God's redemptive plan. Yeah. And now there's a new prime minister, Naftali Bennett as well, a new government and things. So let's just see what happens. Play it by ear. Yeah. But I am expecting great things in the favor of God. Yeah. To fulfill these promises and things for Israel. Sure. So, and, and also Nikki Haley was there. He was a United Nations ambassador for America for a season. Yeah. And uh, John Hagee, who founded Christians United for Israel. Yep. Millions of members. They were over there saying, how could you allow these rockets to go into Israel and not bring forth uh, a response? Yeah. And they were just rebuking these other nations. How could you not let Israel defend themselves? Yeah. If that was in England or France or Germany. Yeah. And it- rockets were coming into your own place from an area. You would go in there and wipe them out and put an end to it. That's right. How is Israel any different? Yeah. And if you check out the Jerusalem Post, you'll see the article with Nikki Haley. Oh yeah, and and Pastor. John I follow Hay. her on social media, and I've seen a lot of the. She told, tells she the went. truth. Oh man, she went and hugged the people and everything. Boots on the ground. She's great. Um, and that's all I have, Ryan. What no. do you have? So my big one was this: um, you, as a member of Israel, right, of the household of God, of the community of saints have the protection of God over you. Those that bless you will be blessed, and those that curse you will be cursed. But here's the issue. The only curse that comes upon you is the curse that we bring upon ourselves. Self-afflicted. Self-afflicted curses. And so I'm just going to pray for the people right now. (laughs) Father God, we just thank you. We thank you, Father, that we are your sons and daughters, that you have called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. And so we just pray, Lord, that you will open our eyes, that we might see the world as you see it, and that we might put our hands to the work, God, as you have called us to it. Let us not shirk our responsibilities. Let us not look to the left or to the right, God. Let us be sober and vigilant in this last days as we walk this path, Father, the ancient path. We love you, and we thank you. We praise your name on high in Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. Once again, I want to reiterate in closing here that 24,000 people died of a plague. How many people have died from this plague worldwide? A lot. More than that. With that comes the opening of the promised land. Come on, somebody. That. <laughs> that is so prophetic. It'll be good. This is so good, everyone, that I'm sharing this Saturday for our service. That's good. It's just too good. Praise God. Praise God. All right, folks. Uh, if you want to email me, ryan at praise.net. Bless you. Have a great week.